that was fantastic. <laughs> I always enjoy it when Lauren has a special number, and somehow every year she seems to do one when I'm here, and I'm so thankful for that. I uh, also really enjoyed uh, that final song that Bob gave out. That's always been uh, one of my favorites, too. I normally don't sing much because of my viral laryngitis, but I had to get the book out and, and sing that uh, third song. Uh, it's a marvelous thing. Uh, we can rejoice and praise the Lord in so many different ways. The Lord talents us in all different ways. And no matter who we are, we are gifted of God to be used of God in his servants and to his praise and honor and glory. Well, it's good to be back. I always enjoy coming here, but I noticed right away this morning when I saw all these young people missing, I thought, oh, I always enjoy seeing the younger group here. Now that I don't enjoy seeing all of you, but it's been a real thrill over all the years I've been coming here just to see these younger people who were really quite young at that time and grow and become the, the men and God uh, for God that they are. And uh, so I trust that you do get home safely today. Uh, we understand what it's like to drive in uh, nasty weather where we come from. And when you're in the mountains, it's even worse yet. So we trust the Lord will bring them back safely and he'll bless our time together in his word today. Uh, last time I was here, we started looking at the book of 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to ask you to turn to chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, if you would. Now, the last time we were together, we just uh, focused on a few basic things that I just want to review here. Uh, and do that very briefly. And we know that this uh, letter was written, if you look in your Bible, it kind of gives you the dates. These are written very close together. And it's interesting, they cover much of the same things. And uh, I couldn't help but think as I, I thought about Paul's frustration, maybe, to a degree. We don't think of Paul being frustrated at times, but I'm sure he was. You know, anyone who is in the Lord's service, uh, they rejoice in the fact that they're being used of the Lord, but at the same token, uh, there's so many evidences from time to time that you ask the question, is anybody really listening to what we have to say? Because so many of the things that they minister on, even though you go back several years in a row and later, some things just never change. <clears throat> some things get worked. Sometimes things do change. But I couldn't help but think as I was studying this, you know, in the first epistle of Thessalonians in chapter 4, he talks about what he's now once again forced to talk about here in the second letter, epistle, which was written shortly after the first one. But even before these two letters, he had already been there and talked to them about the very same things that he's addressing here in these two epistles. And it's like, why didn't these things sink in? And, of course, we pointed out that in uh, the first uh, letter, in chapter 1, verse 3, he speaks of their faith, their love, and their hope, or the great expectation they have of coming, uh, the Lord's coming. 
And then in the third verse of the first chapter of 2 Thessalonians, he mentions only their faith and their love. What is conspicuous by its absence is the word hope. And of course, what had happened, they had lost their blessed hope as a living and active force in their daily lives. And you know, we are warned in scripture quite often and encouraged in scripture to focus on the Lord's return. Focus on the blessed hope you have in the Lord's return. Because this is what will cause your life to be purified. As you look forward and anticipate the Lord's return, it will have a purifying effect in your life. Well, some false teachers had come in and told them that the day of the Lord had already come, even though the Lord had not already come. And of course, he had taught in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 about the rapture. Okay? And of course, this would precede the day of the Lord, which was something entirely different. And as a result of this, and they were very discouraged. And the reason they were discouraged and the reason these, this false letter came, and it was a forged letter from somebody who signed Paul's name, stating, in fact, that the reason they were suffering as they were for the Lord was because they were already in the day of the Lord. And, of course, the thing we have to understand, we've been told in Scripture those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And that's speaking to the church, the body of Christ. All right? These dear saints were the church of Thessalonica, the body of Christ that gathered together in Thessalonica. And as you think about what was taking place in their lives, really convicted me, they were suffering so severely that they honestly thought that maybe the Lord, even though he hadn't come, had already started the day of the Lord, where severe suffering is going to take place, but not for the child of God. And I thought, you know, today, we say we look forward to the Lord's return. We live in expectation of the Lord's return. And I think I challenged you last time, and I'm going to do it again. I have to challenge myself all the time as I continue to study God's word. Am I really living in expectation? I'm expecting it at any time. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, I don't think we do. We talk a lot about it. We know we're to live in expectation of the Lord's return. And let's think, let's face it, what is our hope? Our hope is to be with the Lord. And I'm looking forward to that day. But to say that I'm living in great expectation every moment of every day, well, my life doesn't reflect that. And, you know, yes, the Lord could come today. I, I don't know how many times you've heard that from the pulpit. You know, while I'm sitting here speaking, the Lord could come. 
But do I really believe he's going to come before I'm done speaking today? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) I know he could. (laughs) But you see, there's a difference in knowing that he's coming back. And another thing, in living in expectation of that blessed truth. And of course, this is what was causing their concern. And that's why Paul wrote this letter. And this is the third time he's had to talk to them about the same subject. The Lord's return, the rapture, and, of course, the day of the Lord. He taught them about both of these things. And they knew about both of these things quite well. So we emphasize, because of these false teachers... He's he's emphasizing once again the blessed truths that had been taught by him when he was there, but also in his first letter, particularly in chapters 4 and 5, and now here again in this particular lesson we have before us today. So let's start by just reading through the first uh, 12 verses, because we're not going to get any further than that. In fact, we probably won't even get to that point, and that's okay, because my primary emphasis wants to be on basically the first eight verses or so. But I want us to read now together, it concerns the day of the Lord and the man of sin. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, That's the rapture. That ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of the Lord is present. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come the falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition." who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, yet with you, see there's the first time, I told you these things. And then also, as I mentioned in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, he told them again, And now ye know what restraineth that ye might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who who now hindereth will continue to hinder until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and, all, and with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all might be judged who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, God will bless the reading of his word. Now, of course, this particular passage does concern the day of the Lord. And, you know, Paul seeks to correct this misunderstanding again that had arisen in the minds of the saints concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And again, I want to emphasize, this was because of their severe suffering, the severe persecution they were enduring. They had been falsified, falsely led to believe that even though the Lord had not come, the rapture hadn't taken place yet, the beginning of the day of the Lord was now present. And these first two verses that we have before us this morning emphasize what precedes the, the manifestation of the day of the Lord. Now, I just want to emphasize once again, why were these people so discouraged? Why did they think they were already in the day of the Lord, which is going to be a time of severe suffering, okay? Why did they feel they were in there? It was because of the suffering they were actually enduring. You know, the Lord really spoke to me on that. I don't think I'm even close to the day of the Lord. I'm, that thought doesn't even really enter my mind very often. I'm looking forward to the rapture. That's what I'm looking forward to. But you see, part of the reason is I, I can kind of relax and look forward to the day of the Lord is... In all honesty, I'm not really suffering for the Lord. How about you? Are you suffering so much that you could honestly think for a moment you might already be in this period of time, the day of the Lord, the tribulation period, that you're suffering that much? You know, this convicted me. And I trust it convicts you as well. You know, we, we do a lot of complaining how the church is not growing. We're getting smaller. Well, why is that? Well, you understand, it's because of the day and age in which we live. The closer we get to the Lord's return, the rapture, it's going to get worse and worse and worse in this world. But the point is, we do an awful lot of complaining about the wickedness in the world today, don't we? Well, are you doing anything about trying to change that a little bit? Now, I know you can't change it totally, but you know, where you live, where I live, where we function, how much suffering do you do for the Lord? You see, I don't think I'm anywhere near the day of the Lord. I don't even really think about that. I'm not going to be there anyway when it comes. At least that's my understanding from Scripture. I know there are people that will differ with me on that. But you see, the point is, it really spoke to my heart when I realized that these people had suffered and were suffering so much for the Lord that false teachers could come in and use the day of the Lord to make them even suffer more inwardly by having them think, well, even though the Lord hasn't come, you are already in the day of the Lord. That's why you're suffering so much in your life today in Christ. Well, the truth of the matter is, Paul had to remind him again, we are not in the day of the Lord. <laughs> There's two distinct different things. See, there are, two, there are important differences between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. There are, they are two distinctly different periods. The day of Christ, which is known as the parousia in, in the uh, theological sense, refers to the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ. 
And I, as I thought about that, too, you know, I'm looking forward to the Lord's return, and so are you. We want the trump to sound any time, don't we? But you understand that that's only a part of the rapture. The rapture is the trump of God sounds, and the dead in Christ shall rise and be caught up together, and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. But what's going to happen immediately afterwards for us? The judgment seat of Christ. I live in view of that, in all honesty, not thinking too much about the day of the Lord, because, see, I'm not going to be here during the day of the Lord. I'm looking forward to the rapture, but I'm also living in reality that I'm going to have to stand before the Lord. Yes, in my redeemed, glorified body, sin is no longer an issue. I'm not going to be judged for my sin. That's all done. When I accepted Christ, the sin question was settled. I am no longer a sinner in God's eyes because I stand accepted in Christ. But I'm still going to have to stand before him and give an account to how I lived as his child in this world. And we're not going to get into the whole thing on the judgment seat of Christ. That's another thing we can maybe do some other time. It's a marvelous truth that we have to focus on. And we should be focused on the fact. And you see, the little suffering we do in this day and age for Christ, and I look at my own life, I don't know how much reward I'm really going to get. I think there's going to be an awful lot of things that will be revealed. Bob, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you stand up for me here? You know, why? Why? <laughs> when you have these opportunities I put before you, and I trust there will be something there I will be rewarded for. And I think there probably will be for all of us. But, you know, I don't think we think enough about the fact, you know, part of the reason the world is the way it is, is yes, sin, uh, Satan is active and involved in this world tremendously. He deceives people. He doesn't have an awful lot of effect in the lives of believers, if any at all, if only if we allow him to get into a little kink of the armor that we have in Christ. But you see, the bottom line is that these dear saints already were suffering so much, they're looking for the return of Christ. They knew it hadn't happened yet because they understood what the rapture was all about and that this was supposed to happen later, the, the uh, day of the Lord. But these false teacher, this false letter signed by Paul, supposedly said, well, I've changed my mind. We already are in the day of the Lord, even though the Lord has not come. Well, the bottom line is, these dear saints had to understand, and so he's telling them once again. And this is what chapter 2 does, particularly the first half of the chapter. And this is what we're going to focus on briefly, the difference between these two periods of time. Now, as I've already mentioned, there are two important differences between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. They are two distinctly different periods. As I said, the day of Christ is the parousia, refers to the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ. Thus, it concerns the church, the body of Christ. Now, the day of the Lord is the visible appearing of Christ. Remember, in the rapture, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. He's not coming to the earth to get us. <laughs> 
We will meet him in the air. All right? And that's what the rapture is all about. But you see, the day of the Lord, the visible appearing of Christ concerns the earth. It concerns Israel and the nations after the rapture takes place. I came across something from W.E. Vine that I thought was worth sharing. He, he put it so plainly and clearly, I thought, there's no way I can improve upon doing this. I'm just going to share it. There's nothing wrong with sharing something that is better than what you can really do yourself. And he writes this, that they are two distinct periods. The following consideration goes to show. Whereas the day of the Lord is a subject of the Old Testament prophecy, the parousia is not. The scene of the day of the Lord is in the earth. The scene of the parousia is in the air. The day of the Lord, since it is a period of judgment and punishment, is to be anticipated with dread. The parousia, since it is a period of rest and reward, is to be anticipated with joy. From the day of the Lord, believers are to be delivered, saved. In the parousia, they are, not, are to meet the Lord and go to be with him. Also, angels are prominent in connection with the day of the Lord. They are not mentioned in connection with the parousia. Now, the aim of the apostle here is to clear away the confusion existing in the minds of the saints by further defining the circumstances attending to the day of the Lord. They are different from the circumstances of the parousia. Now, that may be a little bit much to swallow all at once, but I know all of you are, are very familiar with Bill McDonald, and I happen to have both of his writings. I have the letters on the, the book, two books of Thessalonians, but I also have his commentary. And I know most of you are familiar with our dear brother who is now with the Lord. And just for your reference, if you have either one of these, I'll tell you, in the letters to the Thessalonians, the little book that has both in, page 85 is where you're going to find something that is worth noting. He goes into an immediate detail, and much more so than I've done here. And if you just have his commentary, it's on page 2050, okay? I, what I'm trying to say is I think it's important for you to really sit down and study this particular aspect of God's word. It's a tremendous difference between the two. We can rejoice in the Lord's return, the rapture. That's our hope. That's our expectation. Well, these dear saints had lost that hope and expectation. Oh, they knew the Lord was coming back, but he hadn't come, and yet here I am suffering mightily. And they were, in fact, we pointed out last time, they were known all around the whole area as the church that were suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. What a church that must have been. So I can understand, while that they got this false letter, their minds have caused them to have fear within about, did we really miss it? What's happening? And the point we want to emphasize is a great, uh, a great deal of things were taking place in their lives that brought them to this conclusion. In verses 3, the last part of verse 4, the events preceding the day of the Lord are brought before us. These events will take place after our gathering together unto him. 
That's the rapture. Again, spelled out in detail in 1 Thessalonians 4. A great falling away, apostasy from the living God is going to take place. A total abandonment of God's uh, denial of God's and Christ's existence and exaltation of man's supremacy in the world and the universe. <laughs> you know, and as I, I was thinking about, I was writing that, I thought, wow, that's exactly what I'm seeing today. Think about that. The things here, uh, the great falling away, apostasy from the living God. How many today that you really know believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord God Jehovah, the only living and true God? <laughs> yes, we do. Pray, thank you for raising your hand. I wasn't expecting that, but that, that encourages my heart. But the thing that is so obvious today is when you look at the world today, these things here that I mentioned, a total abandonment, denial of God in Christ's existence. You know, most people in the world and even in our own country today, oh, yeah, they believe to a degree in Jesus Christ, but they don't really believe in his existence, that he's real. It's kind of way back on the back burner. You know, our exaltation of man's supremacy in the world and the universe today. Creation has been thrown out the window. Let's face it. It has been thrown right out the window in the world today, including our own nation. And our own little area here in Claremont. Oh, yes, there are people who still believe the truth. But you'd be surprised how many don't consider these things at all. And as far as man's involvement and domination in things, we think we control everything. We don't need a God. We, that's nonsense. We control our destiny. And we're fighting back and forth one amongst another trying to determine what is the right direction for this world to go as if we had any control over it at all. Who really is in control of what's going on in the world today? Well, God is. And then people say, well, how in the world would God allow this to happen? Nothing's catching him by surprise. He knows exactly why we are at where we are at. Because the hearts of mankind are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. They willfully, willfully remain ignorant of creation. They are willfully ignorant of the things of God. It's not that they can't see them or understand them intellectually. They choose to be willfully ignorant of the truth. And as a result, yes, we can see the direction this world is going. And there are people, believe it or not, in the world today who are suffering for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, just as these dear saints in Thessalonica were suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't see much of that in this country. In fact, you don't really see much of it at all. 
But it's amazing in many areas of the world where people hide underground for fear of imprisonment or death for just gathering together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. It is going on in the world today. But as we see things, you know, we can understand a little bit. I look at the world today and I think, how much longer can it really be before I hear that trump sound? The world is so wicked today. As it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the Son of Man. Are we there? Well, not quite yet because the Lord hasn't come, but I'll tell you, it is close. You look at the world today, and the only person who is really rebuked, rejected, despised, like he always has been in this world, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, if you follow him faithfully, you witness for him faithfully, you live for him faithfully, you will be persecuted because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But somehow we conveniently make sure we don't suffer any more than we absolutely have to in relationship to this. You know, again, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just facing reality. What I'm saying to you, I say to myself all the time, Bob, why aren't you doing more in witnessing and standing up and being counted we just find it too convenient not to do those things. Now, as to this individual that we're talking about, a, a great world figure is going to come and will suddenly be revealed is the man of lawlessness of sin. And that's what we're talking now about the day of the Lord. And he's informing him about this. As to his character, he will be a man of lawlessness, the very embodiment of sin and rebellion. I know there's a lot of talk amongst people of how who will be this particular person. I don't get too excited about even thinking about that. I'm not going to be here. You know, the thing we want to emphasize here, I want you to focus on the Lord's return, the rapture, the parousia. Because if you don't, and you start looking at the world around you, just as these dear saints in Thessalonica were doing, looking at the world around them and what it was doing to them because they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ had caused them a great deal of frustration and discouragement to the point where they lost their hope in the Lord. And that's a sad position to be in. So in the, as to his character, he's going to be a man of lawlessness, the very embodiment of sin and rebellion. As to his destiny... He's called the son of perdition, which means destruction. He is doomed to eternal judgment. You know, I couldn't help but think of John 7, 12 when I was looking at this, where we read the son of perdition here is used of Judas Iscariot. He's called the son of perdition. Son referring to character is perdition, perishing. And the result in Acts 121, we're told that he went to his own place. He didn't go to glory. 
He went to his own place, the place he chose. And this is going to be true of the son of perdition during the day of the Lord. Well, that day had not come yet. That man had not been determined yet, or at least revealed at this point in time. Also, we have the phrase, the spirit of Antichrist denies the father and the son in any age. And that's being true today. But at this time, it will be centered in a person. The world as a whole today is already showing the spirit of Antichrist, denying the Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in, this, in verse 11, this uh, description seems to point to him as Antichrist, the one who appears, who opposes Christ and sets himself in the place of Christ. He will oppose every form of divine worship primarily persons of the Godhead. How much do you hear today of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the world today? Yeah, you just don't hear people at all acknowledging these things. You and I know the persons of the Godhead, but you know, it's even interesting in the lives of believers how little we really rely upon all three persons of the Godhead. Sometimes we want to differentiate them almost to be three different people. Well, they're not. You know, the word for God in Scripture is plural noun, singular in meaning. And yet we do have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three are always working together. They never work apart from one another. You see, not only you see, is Jesus Christ no longer looked to as anything, nobody acknowledges the Holy Spirit. Now, there's an awful lot of stuff on television, although I don't watch it, but you see it when they're advertising what's coming on down the road. The, in, the number of people so involved with the spirit world is the spirit world real? Well, it certainly is. You know, and you see all these people who are seeing people that they once knew, that had died, they, they've seen these strange objects, and some of us sit back and say, well, that couldn't happen. What do you mean it couldn't happen? There is a spirit world. We're warned as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that we wrestle not just against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. Satan and his hosts are out there. And they're up to no good. And you know, if you start dabbling in the occult, the spirit world, as many are doing in the world today, oh, Satan will oblige you. <laughs> you can be sure. He will do anything he can to get you to be focused on the spirit world but not on the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you understand that everything about Christianity is in the spiritual sense? God is a spirit. The Holy Spirit within you is a spirit. Jesus Christ was a spirit before he took upon himself flesh. You see, the spirit world is very real. And in this world today, oh, they're all involved in the spiritual aspect of things, but not in the right sense. 
And you see, these people during this period of time are going to be deceived. And we talk a little bit later on, and our time doesn't allow us to spend a lot of time on it. But you know, when we get to the point where we have the one who resists these things, well, there's two references here to this particular aspect, because you see, the, the Spirit of God is still in the world today, and the Church of God, who is indwelt by the Spirit of God, is in the world today. There is coming a day when they will no longer be here. And when will that be? It will be at the day of the rapture. At the day of the rapture. The church will be gone. The Spirit of God will no longer function as he functions today. How does the Spirit of God function today? He indwells the body of Christ. And that's why we are protected. That's why Satan has no control over us. The Spirit of God indwells us. But you see, at the rapture, the church will be gone. The Spirit of God will still be in the world. He's always been in the world. He was in the world in the Old Testament. But what did he do in the Old Testament? He came upon men and women to do certain things. On a couple of occasions, he did indwell. But basically, he came upon people. And you know, after the rapture, he will still be in the world. Because during the tribulation period, people will be saved. Many of them martyred. But the difference is those who will be saved during the tribulation period will not have the Spirit of God indwelling them. He still will be there. And he may come upon them, just like he did in the Old Testament time. You see, people have to understand that a day is coming when all of the things that the Antichrist wants to do in the day of the Lord, all the terrible things you read about here, and you're going to have to do more study than this. This is just to expose to you what's being exposed to these dear saints, to encourage them. You're suffering because of your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, period. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Christ has not returned you're not in the day of the Lord. That's a future event. And what's hindering Satan from doing what he really wants to do is the church, because there's two different words in the two different verses that deal with this. One refers to something, which is the church, and another one, same word, refers to a person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. What is hindering the day of the Lord from being upon us today? And this is what he's saying to them. It's because the church is still here. The Spirit of God indwells the church. He is still here. But when these two are removed, when the church is removed and the Spirit of God is removed in the capacity he is working today, the door will now be open for all these terrible things that are going to happen during the tribulation period. Now, I know there's a lot of different views on that, and we don't have, <clears throat> had no desire to get into that. It doesn't matter if you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. You know, you can be whatever you want. It doesn't change the fact <laughs> that when the church, 
all three believe are going to be raptured. It's just a matter of a difference of time. And the truth is, nobody really knows for sure. Only the Lord knows when he's coming back when the trump will sound. But the point is, once the church is gone and the Spirit of God no longer indwells the church, he's gone in that respect. Now this evil one in the day of the Lord will be able to do all the terrible things that the Lord will allow him to do. His spirit will still be here, but he won't be restraining them from doing it. There will not be the body of Christ here that still is restraining this from happening in the world today. See, this particular chapter is something I just felt the Lord laid on my heart because, you see, we look at the world today and say, oh, how, how can this be? It's getting so bad. It is nothing compared to what it is going to be after the church and the Spirit of God stop hindering. And they'll stop hindering because it will no longer be here. I don't know if you've wrestled with these truths, but I want you to understand something. Paul makes it very clear in 1 Thessalonians 1, in 2 Thessalonians, and of course, in many other parts of Scripture, that the rapture is, going to, is a real thing. It is. That's our blessed hope, and we should live in view of that. Don't get so hung up on what's going on in the world today that you get discouraged. Don't stop witnessing for the Lord. Remain strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He's still here. He's still with us. And the day is coming he will remove us. I'm looking forward to the parousia. That's what I'm looking forward to. The rapture. The day that the Lord and I meet in the air. Oh, there's going to be, we sing, a meeting in the air and that sweet, sweet by and by. Yes, there is. And I'm going to be there when that happens. But you see, the day of the Lord comes after that. And these dear folks, because of their suffering, thought they were already in it. We don't feel we're in it. Because the truth is, we don't suffer for the Lord the way we ought. May the Lord just help us to understand we're here for a purpose. He has not come back for a reason. It's not time. It's not the appointed time. He knows when the time is. I'm not going to sit and try to figure it out. I just know it's coming. In the meantime, what am I supposed to do? Remain faithful to the Lord. And if that means suffering, so be it. Because those who suffer for the Lord will be honored by the Lord. And those who are causing the suffering the Lord will deal with during this period of the Great Tribulation and on. Well, a lot of territory, but again, I hope I got across the basic truth here. And that is this. We should be willing to suffer for the Lord because he's coming any time. And he will reward us. And if we have to suffer in the meantime, so be it. May we be willing to live in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord, honoring to the Lord. So when that day comes, I stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. He can say in some way or form, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm sure these saints in Thessalonica are going to have a lot of well done, ye good and faithful servant.
Shall we pray? Our gracious God and dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you again for your beloved Son and our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that our hope is in thee, that our time is in your hands. We know that you are a sovereign God who is in control of all things. May we understand the importance of remaining faithful to you in this wicked, sinful world. Yes, we do look forward to with great anticipation for that day when you will bring us to be with yourself. But in the meantime, may we never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. May we live in a matter of pleasing unto thee. May we rejoice in the God of our salvation and the blessed hope that we have in him. We just pray that you will take this brief message and more importantly that these dear saints will go home and spend more time with it so they may truly understand again how important it is to live faithfully for thee until we come to be with thyself. We just pray now that you will bless our time together in fellowship as we gather together. We thank you for the food that has been provided, for the hands that have repaired it. May our words, the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart as we gather together bring honor and glory to your blessed name and then bring us home and safely Safety, we pray, and we particularly pray again for those who are coming back from the camp. Just keep them in your loving care. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.